0: are in our series, our new series we started last week called Like Jesus, Like Jesus, and this series is built off of our previous series where we focused on deconstruction and reconstruction. Because we believe that even if we deconstruct our faith, even if we pull it apart, even if we separate ourselves from all of those things that are not like Christ, we can still hold on to Jesus the Christ. Because Jesus Christ is worth hanging on to. And so since we believe that, since we trust that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior and he's worth holding on to, he is our foundation. He is the one that we need to build on, not our tradition or culture or or, uh, uh, falsehoods about Christianity that we might have learned along the way. Jesus Christ is our solid foundation, and we know that because of that, we should be more and more like him. We should be training ourselves, as we learned last week, to be more and more like Jesus. So today, we're going into a new message uh, in our Like Jesus series, and I would like to get into uh, the scripture right off the top. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you open them up or turn them on to Matthew chapter 21. We'll be reading verses 12 through 15. If you don't have a Bible with you, we will put it up on the screen for your convenience. But I'd love for you to be able to mark up in your own scriptures uh, what we're going to read today. Very interesting passage. i gonna be reading from the CSB version. So it may read a little different than what you have. But it's all the word of God. Verse 12. Jesus went into the temple. And throughout all those buying and selling, he overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you have made it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. When the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonders that he did and the children shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Today, I want to preach, make room like Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you have your way? Father, we trust you. We trust that Jesus Christ is our Lord, is our Savior, and he is worth building on. Our faith rests in you. Would you move in a mighty way today? Would you translate the words from my mouth to to every ear that every ear would hear from your Holy Spirit exactly what we all need to hear to be more like you? We just pray that you would grow us, form us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Does anybody remember the original iPhone? Y'all remember? Can you go back that far? Were you born then? I don't know how old you are. The original iPhone, I had one of those things. Before there was streaming, before there was iCloud to, to back everything up, we had, I had this, this uh, original iPhone with a massive four gigabytes of storage. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't tell me nothing. I had four gigabytes of storage in my phone, right? Those people with, with Blackberries pff, using a, 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 a keypad to type your notes. Ah, I typed right on the screen four gigabytes. So I could take pictures with my phone. I could surf the internet with my phone. I could could put contacts in my phone. I I could record voice notes in my phone. I could watch YouTube on my phone. But then there came a time where I ran out of space on my phone. (laughs) And all those MP3s, y'all remember those? That I had loaded on my phone, I had to connect my phone back to my computer to offload a bunch of those things. And, and I had to all those pictures that I had taken, I had to offload them so that I could have room on my phone. I had to make room for those things on my phone that I, I really needed. The, the things that I really wanted to have day to day, those things that were really important to me, I had to make room for those things on my new, on my new smart device. I had to manage my space. In today's peculiar yet powerful passage, we see what many people perceive to be Jesus' inconvenient incident. This is an event that happens at the start of. Holy Week. Today, we celebrate it's Palm Sunday. It it represents the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, fulfilling the prophecy uh, that the Messiah would come in on a donkey, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, if you're interested in researching. He comes in on the donkey, and the people, they celebrate him, this anticipated Messiah. He comes in on a donkey, and they say, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, we pray. They celebrate this man, Jesus. He is the one to save us from Roman rule and from the trouble that we are going through. Yet these same people, by the end of the week, as Jesus stands condemned in front of the government, yell, Crucify him, crucify him, as they sentence him to hang from a tree. You see, uh, this story is the beginning of Holy Week. That's the week that we're in right now. And this story happens right after Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The temple priest, they see this opportunity to capitalize on a situation. What is that situation? Because this time of year is a celebration of a holiday called Passover. I'm not going to go into the depth of what, what Passover is, but you can go and research that on, on your own time. But what would happen during Passover is that people would come back into Jerusalem especially to the temple to worship during this holy time of year. And so this is the same time Jesus makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And he goes into the temple and he sees that, this, that people are making sacrifices in the temple during Passover, which is expected. But what happens is he sees that people are buying and selling, and so he gets angry. I love Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Man, this is one of those texts where I'm like, I really want to be like Jesus, right? But, but, but is, is this text giving me and you permission to be angry? Is this text giving you and I permission to come up in the house of the Lord when we are angry and flip tables? Is it giving you and me permission to walk up in here and fuss some folks out and get angry and kick them out the church because I'm mad? I don't think so. Some people read this passage and they get a little confused by this passage, because this isn't the Jesus that they grew up hearing about. This isn't the docile pacifist. This isn't the quiet, humble Jesus, is it? This isn't the peace loving, hippie 1960s Jesus that we see on our portraits, you know? Uh, this isn't my Americanized version of white Jesus, is it? No. This is. Jesus expressing righteous anger. Righteous anger. Scriptures tells us that it is okay to get angry. Just don't sin. You can be angry, just don't sin from your anger. So there's nothing wrong with being angry. There's nothing wrong with getting angry, especially when we see injustice. And godly dishonor. You see, there's nothing wrong with getting angry at unarmed sisters and brothers whose bodies are bloodied in our streets. There's nothing wrong with getting angry about economic exploitation of the unsuspecting and the unaware. There's nothing wrong with getting angry about the increased homeless population in our very own city. There's nothing wrong with getting angry about the lack of reasonably priced residences in the Twin Cities. There's nothing wrong with getting angry about that, but there's everything wrong with seeing these things and not taking action to repair them. I see in this passage that Jesus is making room for three things that we should be making room for. And the first thing that Jesus is making room for is prayer. He's making room for prayer. Look at verse number 13. He says, he said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer. Prayer should be a primary activity in the Lord's house. It should, be, it, should be, it should be up there about with the things that we do. And here at Mercy, we're increasing prayer in a variety of ways. We have, have a, a phenomenal leadership over our prayer teams. And they are increasing the opportunities for prayer throughout our church and throughout our week. But you know what? Many of us struggle with prayer. Many of us struggle with prayer. And and you know, just last night, I, I, I wrote this message back on Thursday, and this whole point I just like scrapped because God dropped this on me last night. He said, You know why people have a problem with prayer? It's because we struggle with trust. If we were to tell the truth in here today, many of us would say, We struggle with trust, we got trust issues. I have trust issues, especially over the last six uh, years with, with, with you and everybody else, right? We have trust issues with each other. Over the years, we, we've, we've been told uh, by our politicians to not trust each other. We, we look at each other and we see the enemy. We, if you tell the truth, we probably don't even trust ourselves, All the drama and the trauma that we go through in our lives, the issues that we face on a day to day. But if we were really honest and if I were to knock on the door of your heart and open up your chest and see what was in there, you and I probably just don't even trust God. God, where were you when I went through that miscarriage. God, where were you when my father was dying? God, where were you when my ancestors were being kidnapped and mistreated all of those years? God, where were you when something was going on in my life? When I was laid up in the hospital bed? God, where were you? Some of us has trust issues. But if that's you feeling like that, I want you to know where God is. God is grieving with you. God is with us in our grief, in our struggle, in our Good Friday moments. Even though Jesus had to suffer on a cross, God was with him. More about that on Friday. Come back to a Good Friday service. But I want you to also know that there is no condemnation for you to feel the way you feel. You can have feelings of doubt, feelings of grief, feelings Uh, 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 of, you know, you can experience the trauma in your life. No, it's not good. No, it's not happy. But God is with you in those moments. And he alone can bring you through those moments. I'm glad that each and every one of you are here today, especially if you're feeling like this, because I want you to know that this is the house of prayer. Mercy Vineyard Church is a place where you can ask questions of God. This is a place, I pray, that this is a place where you would feel safe to, to open up and scream at God if you really need to. Holler at the top of your lungs because he is big enough to handle whatever you're going through. He is so loving that he wants you to bring. He's not going to condemn you for fussing with him. He knows your heart and what's going on with you. He wants you to invite him in, and he wants you to be with him, and he wants to be with you. I can't express to you how much he loves you and how much he wants to be with you in your hard times. After service, we'll have prayer teams up here at the front. Whatever you're going through in your life, please allow them the opportunity to invite the Holy Spirit into your situation. Come to the front and take advantage of the opportunity to receive prayer. Now, I know that's not everybody's thing. I don't want to tell my business and all that kind of stuff. I I, I get it. And everybody's on a different path to building trust. Listen, we have connect cards in the back of your seat for that reason, for any reason, really. Express yourself. If you do better writing it down, write it down. And our prayer team will pray for those. Our prayer teams pray anonymously. They don't get your name, okay? I want to make that clear. They do not get your name if you write a prayer request. But our pastoral staff does. And I see those every Tuesday morning, and I pray, and I want to join you in prayer for whatever you're going through, okay? I just want to make that clear. God wants his church to be a house of prayer. He wants us to be a praying people. He wants us to hold each other up in prayer. He wants us to support each other. He wants us to have to listen for him, to speak into our lives for our brothers and our sisters. He wants to reveal to us a new picture, a new scripture, a new image, a new vision for our brothers and sisters, for each other. He wants us to increase our ministry toward each other. He wants to. Yahweh. Our God wants us to love each other more. Now, Jesus actually in this passage is, uh, uh, I'm I'm not supposed to take all my time on point number one, but it looks like this might be a continuation. (laughs) Jesus in this passage is actually quoting from a a portion of the scripture from Isaiah chapter 56, verse number 7. And I'll read that to you. He says, I will bring them to my holy mountain and let them rejoice in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar for my house will be called a house of prayer. Watch this for all nations. That leads me. Uh, to see that Jesus is making room for all people, all people, not some. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse number 41, you can check it out whenever you get a chance, but that is where uh, 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 King Solomon dedicates the temple. He, in his prayer to dedicate the temple, he says in that prayer, God, I want you to hear the prayers of not just the Jews, but I want you to hear the prayers of the foreigner, of the Gentile, of all people. Check it out when you get a chance. That shows me that God is not exclusive to the Jews. That God never was exclusive to one people. That God's intent was always to be the God of all people, all of us, to invite you and I in. What happened was, because uh, the Jews were his chosen people, honestly, any Jews in here, God bless you, I'm sorry about to talk to you, but we get the big head sometimes when we are the chosen one. They were only chosen to share the good news to the entire world, not because there was anything special about them. They were actually the lowest Because God wanted to say, I can change the world with the least of these. And so God has never been exclusive in that way, that he just chose one people. But that people were supposed to be a mouthpiece for the entire world. And now, because of their rejection, he's using you and me to be a mouthpiece. He says, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, go and what? Share the good news, make disciples of all nations. We ought to be the mouthpiece. Reminds me of Revelation chapter five verse nine, where he says, John gives us this preview of what heaven is going to look like. and uh, uh, he tells us that God's in t- original intent and what it will happen in the future in heaven is that every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every culture, every pre people group, every ethnicity will worship me together and sing the same song. That's what heaven looks like. And because we know what heaven is supposed to look like, we should ought to rehearse right down here. This should be a dress rehearsal for heaven. You and I should be inviting every person that we know, every kind of person that we know to worship here at Mercy Vineyard Church. We ought to be a house of prayer, a church for all people. We've got to grow in that. We've got to grow in that. And what that means is if we're going to grow in that, then we have to stretch. Y'all remember that series we preached on called Stretching? In order to be a church, a healthy, multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-everything church, you and I have to Stretch my preferences, stretch what I'm used to, stretch uh, 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 what, what I want and yield to what do somebody else want? What does somebody else need? You see, that, that's what Jesus wants us to do. He, he said that his house is a house for the foreigner and the domestic. That his house is for the poor and the rich. That his house is for those who are like you and those who are not like you. So if you have a theology that, 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 that's a separatist theology, a, a, a theology that says, oh, I can only go to church with those people who think like me, look like me, act like me, vote like me, are like me, then you're serving the wrong God. Uh, let me know if you get to heaven. And if you get there, let me know what you see. Because it ain't that. It's not that. We have to learn to yield our preferences. And we also have to learn how to yield our will. Y'all know Jesus did that? In this place called the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, God, if you can do this any other kind of way. That's a Gary Dawkins translation. But he said, if it be your will, please take this cup from me. I don't want to go through this. Say it them people some other kind of way. I'm ready to come back up with you. I don't want to go through this. But yet not my will. Your will be done. And the father said, yes, this is how it's going to be. Don't think that God hates you or is neglecting you because he doesn't show up how you want him to show up. He didn't show up for Jesus, how Jesus wanted him to show up. How you go? You think you're hiding? Some of us have the God complex. We like, God, if you don't show up for me in this kind of way, the way I say it, the way I want it, I'm going to stop following you. He said, Well, go ahead. (laughs) You think you hurt my feelings? I'm God. know who we think we are sometimes anyway let me let you know how the chief priest had this racket set up uh, in the temple right sales of sacrificial animals and currency exchange were overpriced right due to convenience y'all heard of convenience tax before right right you ever been to the target center Right. I remember in December we took the youth, uh, we had a picture of when we went to the uh, Target Center to see the Timberwolves play the Dallas Mavericks. And we took the youth group out there we had a great time. Now I remember sitting next to one of the youth and I just nudged and I said, hey, you know, you you, you hungry? You Yeah, I'm hungry. I said, okay, I, I'm going to go get you something. And I went out and and, and uh, I ordered, I think it was like two chicken sandwiches and fries. And, and I looked at the bill and I was like, what? I guess I shouldn't have been shocked, but I didn't know I had to take out a second mortgage (laughs) to buy two chicken sandwiches and some fries. God help us if we got thirsty. (laughs) But that's called a convenience tax because it's right there for you because they're not going to let you bring your own stuff in. But they know you're going to get thirsty and hungry. So here you go. Pay this thousand dollars after you pay for your ticket but they were charged we would I was charged for convenience this marketplace was set up for convenience but watch this it was set up in the court of the Gentiles I don't know if you've ever done any research on the temple in Jerusalem, but the way it was set up that the the temple was built. Right. And then around the temple in another section was the court for women. Right. Because women weren't allowed. This is some segregated stuff. I'm not saying this this is not how God wanted it set up. This is how men set it up. Fellas, we got to do better. So it was a court set up for women. They can go over there and worship. And then there was another court set up for Gentiles or non-Jews because the Jew, y'all better not come over here and worship, right? Y'all go to your spot in your place and worship. And watch this. This marketplace was set up by the chief priests and the scribes in the court of the Gentiles. Therefore, all of this hustle and bustle, all of this, 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 this sales and uh, commercialism and all of this kind of materialism, all this stuff that was taking place was taking place in the pl- only place that Gentiles could worship. Thereby excluding people from the worship of the true God. Because now if I, you know, what if I say, okay, we, we, today none of y'all can come in here. Work. Y'all, All all y'all got to go to the youth room because I'm selling cookies in the sanctuary today. Go open these back doors up and all uh, folks go come in here. No, y'all could be like, whoa, I came here to worship. No, no, you got to go back in the kid's wing and worship today because I'm making some money. You'd be like, no, fire this dude. (laughs) Y'all really, y'all tripping. Y'all be calling the board up. Uh, Anyway, uh, but what happened, they they were not thinking about all people. They were excluding people from worship. And that is the main reason why you come to the temple, is to worship the true and living God. And so, therefore, if I was a Gentile, I could not worship on that day. What did Jesus do after he came in? He cleared the temple. What did he do immediately after he did that? Let's look at verse number 14. Verse 14 says, The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The most marginalized. Marginalized. The most exclude, those who were excluded, those people who were not allowed, he welcomed them in and he cared for them and he healed them. You see, you and I ought to take some time to look at our church. This is our church. It's not my church. This is not Gary's church. This is our church. And we need to look and say, what barriers are we putting up that's excluding people from worshiping the true and living God? What's going on in our church that's, that, that's, that says you are not welcome? Because we're supposed to be a church for all people, a house of prayer for all people. Point number three is this. I believe that Jesus made room for purging. Purging. Have y'all ever heard of Marie Kondo? <laughs> By your giggles, I believe you have. Uh, she has this show, Tidying Up. She has like uh, more than one show. I mean, quite a few shows. Uh, but but she is an organizational consultant with a few shows on Netflix if you want to check her out. She also has some books out there. I'm not promoting her books. But Uh, She uh, has this expert level philosophy on purging. She says in her book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, the best way to choose what to keep and what to throw away is to take each item in one's hand and ask, does it spark joy? If it does, keep it. If it doesn't, dispose of it. Sounds like deconstruction to me. But look at verse number 12 in Matthew chapter 21. He says, Jesus went into the temple and threw out all those buying and selling. He threw the people out. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. Jesus has a great zeal for his temple. Jesus has this passion, this love that the temple should not be a corrupt place. It is a place that should not be messed with. It's meant to be the sermonic symbol that God uses to help us understand that we come to worship him and no one or nothing else. He's got to be number one. You know how I know? Exodus chapter 34, verse 14 says, because the Lord is jealous of his reputation, you are never to bow down to any other God. He is a jealous God. He must be, number one. If we want to be like Jesus, he must be the linchpin of our lives. See, Jesus purges the temple of anything that's not like him. Jesus purges the temple of anything that's going to distract us from him. What's going on in your life right now that's distracting you from being just like Jesus? What's going on in your life right now That's keeping you from making room for more of Jesus in your life. Watch this. Are you the same today as you were this time last year? If you say yes, then that shows we have not grown. And it shows that we're not making more room for Jesus in our lives. How do you make room, more room for Jesus in your life? You purge. You get rid of those things that are not like him. You you know what you really do? This is what he said that you really do. Luke chapter 9 verse 23 says, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow after me. How do you purge? You take those things that are not like Jesus and you nail them to the cross. You crucify them. You let those things die. I'm not saying you crucify you and you die. I'm saying, well, if we're getting into some more deeper theology, yes. But those things that are not like him, you got to you gotta kill them off. You got to let them go. You got to let them go so that he has more room to grow in your life. That's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls the cost of discipleship. Yes, it costs us something to be more like Jesus. There is a cost. There is Listen, there's no cost to choosing to follow Jesus, to being saved, right? To get my ticket, to get on the train to go to heaven, right? That is free. Anybody can go to heaven. You can go to heaven right now, say, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. I believe that you are Lord and Savior. Uh, 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 Save me. Amen. You're going to heaven. Amen. Angels in heaven are celebrating if you prayed that prayer today. Amen. So glad for you. But now if you really want to follow Jesus, that's going to cost you something. That's going to cost you. It may cost you some friends. It may cost you your job. It may cost you the house that you currently live in. It may cost you your public persona. It may cost you some cultural norms. It may cost you your plan for self-preservation. It may cost you your self-sufficiency. We need to learn how to Purge because you are God's prize. Your worship team, y'all better come on up here. Well, I'm gonna be up here all day. I, I, I told you I'll make this two parts. You are God's prize. Remember this: that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And He wants the temple to be clean. He wants the temple to be purged of anything that's not like it. He wants the temple to be more and more like him. And that's not to condemn anybody in here who's who's like, I am so far away from Jesus. That is to say he loves you so much that he wants you to take steps toward him. Because he's already come close to you. And wherever you are in your relationship with him today, would you make a commitment today to say, God, I'm going to take one more step close to you. There, there is this one thing, God, in my life that is just is just really, I'm holding on to it for dear life. I really don't want to let it go. Would you, would you take a leap of faith today? And that one thing that popped up in your mind, your heart, would you agree with me to take a next step to say, you know what, for this week, from this Sunday to next Sunday, I'm going to not engage with that I'm going to purge I'm going to nail that to the cross and just for the next seven days I'm going to try my best to to stay out of that just so I can make some more room for you Jesus if you're willing to make some room for Jesus in your life would you grab that connect card that you you have at the bottom of the connect card it says next uh, my next step on that line, would you just write if you agree to make room for Jesus, would you just write yes? Yes. It is your commitment today saying yes. It's your agreement with you and Jesus right now to say yes. Jesus, I want to make more room for you this week. This week, the next seven days. You are that important to me. I'm going to ask those who are in the stay away aisles those in the stairway aisles, you have under your seat a basket. In that basket, uh, it's is empty right now, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, I want you to put your connect card in that basket, pass it down the row to allow everybody to place their connect card in there. Listen, if you also have tithes and offerings, or physical gift that you would like to give today, you can also place it in that basket and pass it down the row. Uh, as you pass it down the row, the worship team will begin. Uh, thank you.